This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's March 15th. It's Wednesday. And you're tuned into Real Talk, uh, whether you're checking it out live streaming on YouTube or the Mixler audio app, or whether you're catching this later, we appreciate it. And thanks for being here, Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks. Happy hump day. How are you feeling on this hump day? I'm actually feeling good. I have been taking the advice of our um, professionals who have been on the show as of late saying... One of the most important things, other than drinking lots of water, is getting eight hours sleep a night. And so you've really been doing it, eh? I have. I've been going to bed at like 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30 the latest, oh, whereas boy. before, you know, we burned the candle at both ends, we're doing the yeah. midnight oil thing, and yeah. it's really made a difference. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't you know, if you get sleep, your brain works better. <laughs> All these people that have been passing along this advice for ages are looking at us right yeah. now, just sort of wondering what took us so long <laughs> to get it all figured out. Since the dawn of time, and yeah, we finally right. started listening. That's right. We're going to be uh, using today's show to catch up on some uh, correspondence, in particular, a great email from Steve, uh, who is in touch with the show from Saskatchewan yesterday after our interview with Caitlin Erickson. This is a story, Legacy Christian Academy, formerly known as uh, Christian Center Academy. Uh, and uh, this was a uh, these are these uh, allegations uh, uh, the first appearance in court the school's former athletic director a guy by the name of Aaron Benoist appearing in court or, or at least expected to appear in court this week his first appearance uh, did so over the phone to the disappointment of guests including Caitlin Erickson who joined us yesterday she wanted to be there uh, she was there in support of another former student at that school if you heard our interview with Caitlin yesterday you already know and it's a shocking number up to 50 Former students at that school have come forward um, signing up for a proposed $25 million class action lawsuit alleging uh, various uh, physical and sexual abuse at that school over the course of decades. Uh, Well, we got an email from Steve, a powerful one, and we're going to get to that. Plus, we're going to follow up on a couple of stories that we're following uh, along with, I think, most Canadians that would consider themselves to be politically engaged, including this story of Chinese interference in Canadian elections. Pierre Poliev, the conservative leader, commenting on that yesterday, as did the conservatives campaign manager, the national campaign manager. And the messages, while not entirely different, are not entirely the same. And I wanted to touch on some of that nuance today because it's important. And I think we're getting a peek into the position that the official opposition leader, Pierre Poliev, might be taking on this. And it's one of those kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, not saying, just saying kind of things uh, where ultimately he appears to be desiring to to create some doubt in the mind of Canadians uh, as to whether or not the most recent federal election results are valid. And before you start rolling your eyes, remember, remember this is this straight out of the Trump playbook in the U.S. Uh, Trump's obviously spelled out. Uh, much more blatantly in much more obvious fashion, calling the American election stolen. That's not what Pierre Poliev is doing. But 
yesterday as I listened to him speak, I went, huh. And the way that my mind works, John, you know, this is the way it works. I wondered, uh, what will real talkers think about this and what types of conversations Mm -hmm. will this kickstart? So we're going to put that in front of you, along with the comments from Fred Delory. It's a column that he wrote in The Star. Again, he's the, the national campaign manager for the conservatives was back in 2021. But we lead off with the release from the Athabasca Chip One First Nation. You remember we had Chief Alan Adam on the show back on March 6th. And you can check out that interview. We're going to take you back to his comments on Real Talk because they're pertinent. They're relevant. Uh, his comments have a, a staying power, which is is not great uh, because essentially it, it just it reiterates the fact that he and members of his community have been calling it, have been sounding the alarm, have been banging the drum over environmental uh, negligence and cover-ups in oil sands facilities near where members of that Athabasca Chip One First Nation harvest food. And this morning, we're reviewing or we lead off with a release from the Athabasca Chip One First Nation. You remember this. This was out of the Curl. Uh, this is Imperial Oil's Curl Oil Sands site. And a nine-month, at least a nine-month leak of toxic tailings, ponds, chemicals into water and land nearby, recently reported by the First Nation. And so reads the release yesterday, uh, that First Nation learning that Environment and Climate Change Canada has confirmed what they call their worst suspicions, that toxic tailings from the Imperial Curl oil sand site have leaked into the Athabasca watershed impacting a fish habitat. You may remember the day that we spoke with Chief Alan Adam, Alberta's Premier Daniel Smith went on the record and said, quote, if there had been a leak into the tributaries that got into the river that would have made its way to the Northwest Territories, that would have triggered a whole series of additional steps that would have needed to be taken. Said Premier Smith, I think that both the Alberta Energy Regulator, the Energy Department, and Imperial Oil... Uh, But this didn't occur, she says, because of the misreporting, misreporting that gave the impression that water got into the tributaries and into the river uh, and that it was impacting drinking water. I think that that's why the community had the reaction that it did. Said the premier, I would have liked to see the company be proactive so they could have made sure that everybody stayed calm and understood the nature of this. But it didn't occur. So hopefully they'll do better next time. In other words, it's a reporting problem, not a leak problem, and definitely not a cover-up. But the Athabasca Chip One First Nation, in their release yesterday late afternoon, saying today, so in other words, yesterday, let's say this week, they learned that inspectors from Environment and Climate Change Canada determined that there were, in fact, impacts to water and fish habitats. Here's a release from them. Environment and Climate Change Canada continues to monitor Imperial Oil's Curl site. Department officials visited the site March 8th, two days after we talked to the chief. Remember, he said that they were coming and collected additional samples. They met with officials from the Alberta Energy Regulator and Imperial Oil to gather more information. Does anybody trust Alberta's energy regulator right now? I hate to say it's a rhetorical question, but I'm not sure that they deserve trust from Albertans. As a matter of fact, I think that Alberta's energy regulator deserves A hell of a lot more scrutiny. The release from Environment and Climate Change Canada continues. Based on information enforcement officers have to date, the seep, the seep, can I call it the leak? The seep is believed to be harmful to fish. And as a result, on March 10th, enforcement officers issued a Fisheries Act direction to Imperial Oil. 
Let's get some context here. Uh, the federal environment minister, Stephen Gilbo, was asked about this by reporters yesterday after this release came out. And one of the reporters asked how long, like with regards to the actual requirements around reporting, if a seep or if a leak is detected in a site like this, in, in an industry site like this oil sand site, how much time do people on the ground have before it's got to be reported to the feds and to the governing bodies? And, and here's what he clarified. Within 24 hours. Within 24 hours. Yes. And they took more than half a year. Yes. So what should happen now? Well, we need to, uh, as I said, we, our systems are, are failing uh, Indigenous peoples, clearly, and we need to find solutions. And I've, I've spoken with the leadership of both the Miksukri and the, uh, the ACFN uh, in, the, in the last week, and we will work with them to find solutions, permanent solutions. Are you concerned, though, given that the regulator only notified your government after a massive spill, rather than just sort of that seeping that was happening, that there are other oil sands mines that are in the same position, that there is other seeping happening or leaking happening that you don't know about? Well, it is, it is very worrisome that for over half a year, the, the Alberta regulator did not communicate with Environment and Climate Change Canada, nor did they communicate with, with the Indigenous nations. So when I say we need to, to find better mechanisms, that's, that, that, that's what I'm talking about. But okay, so 24 hours they had, but of course, more than half a year passes before this is reported. So you would be right if you were to question right now everything. The First Nation goes on in this release to say the information that they're receiving around damage to fisheries and environment and climate change Canada stepping in and now working with the regulator and working with industry to get on track. Sort of, in other words, a very professional, high-level, federal release way of saying we're holding them by the hand and we're reminding them as, as they're shoveling billions of dollars of profits into the coffers that there are some obligations to local communities here and to planet Earth. Quote, this information is consistent with what the First Nations inspectors, Chief Adam told us that they're investigating themselves. Do you blame them? What they witnessed when visiting the site of the spill at the Curl Mine on March 10th, the disaster is ongoing and the toxic tailings are visible on the land adjacent to ponds, tributaries and creeks. In other words, you can see it all over the place. Further evidence that the regulator says the release from the Athabasca Chippewa First Nation, the regulator has lost all credibility. No shit. We need the federal government to use all legal tools at its disposal to take control of the investigation and clean up. That from Chief Alan Adam. I asked him on this show on March 6th, if you didn't see it, you can check out that interview. You'll find it, uh, of course, our YouTube channel. You can find it Real Talk Ryan Jesperson and also anywhere you get your podcasts. You're looking for the episode titled Nine Month Toxic Leak Hidden from First Nation. And I recognize that it's a hell of a thing to allege that a major company like Imperial Oil may be in cahoots with the Alberta Energy Regulator. I recognize it's a hell of a thing to allege that this is a cover-up. And so I asked Chief Adam where he gets the confidence to call it exactly that. What gives you the confidence to call it a cover-up? Because they, they sent us an email nine months ago stating that they had discoloration of water in their system. And they and at that time, they said it was just a minor error. 
and that they would correct it and that the Alberta regulator was involved with it. And then when it kept on continuing to grow, um, it was just recently that when uh, 5.3 million liters of tailings overspilled the berm, that the Alberta regulator couldn't be involved anymore because uh, this was beyond their scope and they had to report it. And once that was reported, the Alberta regulator walked away with uh, from Imperial and said, you're on your own. You're on your own. That was Chief Allen Adam on Real Talk back on uh, March 6th. We'll obviously continue to follow this story. We're in regular contact with the First Nation. You can be in touch with us and let us know where you're landing on this. This is a major story, but it's not getting as much uptick as you might think in the national conversation. And I'd be curious to know why you think that is. But we know that this is a story that matters to people in Alberta right now because this is a story of the environment and this is a story of industry. And coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to talk to the CEO of Onion. Lori Clark is going to join us. They've commissioned Angus Reid to do a survey polling on ESG and how Canadians feel about it, you know, environmental, social and governance policies and, and, and how it's become politicized and torqued. And they've got some really interesting numbers, including on what Albertans said, chiming in on this poll on on how much we actually care about the environment and how much we actually care about ESG and corporate responsibility and sustainability. And also an interesting angle on how sustainability factors in, how it's more realistic for the rich, how it's tougher to live what might qualify as a sustainable lifestyle if you're in a lower income bracket. Really interesting stuff. That's coming up in about 20 minutes on the show. I want to get to what Pierre Poliev had to say to reporters. And, and casting doubt, he says that it's, it's, it's Justin Trudeau that has inspired suspicion uh, amongst Canadians with regards to the validity of recent election results. Liberals filibustering. The Conservatives want to see the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, Katie Telford, in front of a, a Commons committee. They want her comments on this, and the liberals are, are, are basically dragging and dragging, you know, filibustering, dragging it out uh, to keep her from testifying. And, and, and what impact is that going to have on the nation's confidence? Well, of course, a, as an opposition leader, uh, Polyev's going to do everything that he can to turn this into something. It's kind of his job, to be honest with you. But is it going to resonate? And what's this going to do? How is it going to play among conservatives in particular? We're going to get to that in just a second. This conversation is presented by our friends at Park Power. Uh, right now, I want you to commit to if you, if you if you feel like you've just opened up your utilities bill at some point this week and you've looked at that number, you always you never know. Are right? you ripping open that envelope and you're going, "How much is it this month?" And then you look and you go, "Oh my god, that's like twice what we were paying two years ago." It's a great day to go check out parkpower.ca and compare rates on what you could be paying for electricity, natural gas, and internet if you were to take your business to Park Power. There's more reasons now than ever. Number one, of course, utility costs are up. But number two, they're making it worth your while with a bundle incentive. The promo code REALTALK23 knocks up to $150 off your first bill from Park Power. If you bring your electricity, natural gas, and internet over there, uh, REALTALK23, the promo code. And don't forget, they've got a solar club program as well. If you've got solar on your property, their solar club rates can help you earn more value from the electricity you produce. Just a couple of the great reasons to take your business to Park Power. 
Now, if you maybe don't yet have solar up on your roof, but it's a priority for you, maybe this spring, uh, get the ball rolling now by visiting kubienergy.ca and getting your free quote. How can solar energy help? Well, number one, it's obvious it's cleaner than fossil fuels. You know that over 80% of Alberta's electricity comes from fossil fuel, fossil fuels. Uh, that's that's coal and natural gas, right? Solar energy has life cycle emissions that are 25 times lower than coal electricity. 25 times lower. You can feel good about that investment. Plus, solar systems goes without saying a renovation that'll increase the value of your home and pay for itself in the long run. There's a lot of reasons to look toward going green this spring. And if you're going to do it, we recommend you do it with Kubi Energy at kubienergy.ca. All this talk about tech, all this talk about innovation, it's a perfect time to remind you that Apex Automation is hiring, looking for Canada's most skilled professional engineers. They're looking for technologists. They're looking for people that desire a career with the best in the business when it comes to automation. I mean, the partnerships speak for themselves at apexautomation.ca. You can see what they're doing with autonomous vehicles and machinery. So cool. The future of agriculture is now, my friends. Plus robotics and programmable logic controllers and alarm management and terminal management. Maybe you want to go live out in Vancouver or somewhere on the West Coast. Cool opportunities there and a lot happening with human machine interfaces. Johnny, it all sounds so cool. It sounds like stuff I'd have no way of understanding myself. I was just going to say, a little out of my scope. It's a little out of my <laughs> scope. I'm just trying to pronounce the words correctly. But if this is where your career is or where you want it to be, we recommend you check out apexautomation.ca. And a quick reminder that our friends at Friesen Brothers have you all set up for spring, including... I know it feels like a ways away right now, but upcoming Easter celebrations, that's right, the world-famous hot cross buns are back all the way through till Easter, those sourdough hot cross buns. Oh my gosh, they're back, baked fresh daily by their real sourdough bakers, 100% Alberta flour, and of course includes a little bit of Charlie, their mother dough, their sourdough starter. Don't forget that starting... Uh, on March 17th, for one day only, Friesen Brothers is also going to run its traditional St. Patrick's Day meat sale. That means 20% off on fresh Alberta beef, Alberta pork, Alberta chicken, and a whole lot more, including Banjas Smokehouse products and Banjas Classic Deli Meats. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw my Banjas bacon. I did this hardwood smoked bacon mm-hmm. stack the other day. I was pretty proud of the photo, not to mention the bacon. <laughs> So, Chinese interference in Canada's democracy. It's commonly, I think, accepted now to the point where people aren't asking the question of did it occur, but how bad is it? And Canadians are starting to wonder about the impact that this interference uh, from a foreign country, and we heard on the show just a couple of days ago, again, to not just be concerned about China. What about Heather McPherson, the foreign affairs critic for the NDP that sat with me in studio a couple of days ago? She said we need to be paying attention to Russia. She said we need to be paying attention to American owned media, the Rupert Murdoch effect. It's stuff that people are talking about across the country. And so it's no wonder that Pierre Poliev is chiming in on it. He had this to say about the story to reporters just last night. Well, uh, I think uh, Justin Trudeau has inspired a lot of suspicion by his refusal to, one, answer questions about his knowledge of Beijing's interference to help him in two successful, successive elections. S- leaked CSIS and PCO documents now show that Beijing worked to help elect 
Justin Trudeau. That is an accepted fact. He doesn't even deny it. But he kept it hidden until courageous whistleblowers at CSIS released it for him. And now he refuses a public inquiry. I think Canadians of all political backgrounds are asking, what has Justin Trudeau got to hide? And furthermore, why hasn't he protected Chinese Canadians? Here in British Columbia, we know that Chinese Canadians came under intimidation by the People's Republic of China government. They were threatened. There were times when conservative candidates would knock on a door and the person answering it would say, can we go into the backyard and leave our phones behind so that we can talk without being surveilled by the regime in Beijing? I think it is disgraceful that the Prime Minister knew this and did absolutely nothing. He kept it covered up and to this day will not even tell us how much money the Liberal Party got in d donations that were funneled, clandestine donations, to his party. So if we want to restore faith in our democracy, we have to answer the questions and bring in transparency so Canadians know what happened and we get direct action to make sure it never happens again. That's Pierre Polyev uh, just a very short time ago. And by the way, he's referencing a story uh, that Joanna Chu has done a great job on in The Star. And uh, we're hoping to speak to Joanna this week, by the way. Chinese interference in Canada. She reports Chinese Canadians say that they reported it for years and were ignored. It's great reporting by Joanna Chu out of Vancouver. And if you subscribe to The Star, you should check it out at thestar.com. Pierre Polyev is right. Canadians will want to know the degree to which the prime minister and his staff were aware of this Chinese interference. And we mentioned what's happening right now. Robert Fife reporting on this in The Globe. Uh, this is published yesterday. Liberals blocking opposition efforts to call the prime minister's chief of staff. That's Katie Telford over Beijing election interference. Right. People want to see her in front of a commons committee but liberals and liberal mps have extended a filibuster four days uh, on tuesday extending it to block her from testifying before that commons committee studying chinese uh, election interference some arguing that political staff should not be forced to appear before parliamentary committees it's a tough look though isn't it uh, the average person uh, you don't have to be a politician to feel like if you've got nothing to hide then maybe you should just go and spill the beans maybe you should comment on what you know maybe you should pull back the curtain to give canadians confidence is this if this is going to be a crisis of confidence the average canadian would probably desire the prime minister's chief of staff or better yet the prime minister to appear before a commons committee under oath and tell the truth about what they knew but to what extent did this interference actually impact the electoral result we talked about the move in the U.S., the Trumpian play to talk about a stolen election and, and what that does. When you talk about a stolen election, the types of seeds that you can plant with people who could take, in some circumstances, drastic action. Now, I'm not calling a, a second uh, manifestation of January 6th in Canada as a result of this. But the more that Pierre Polyev starts talking about impacted election results and the validity of the outcome of the election, we have to pay attention to what that's going to do among, in particular, conservative loyalists, which makes this column in the star that much more interesting. 
published back on March 5th. I wanted to make sure that this was on your radar. Fred Delory submitted a, an op-ed, an opinion editorial, to the star. Now, Fred Delory, if you don't know the name, was the national campaign manager for the conservatives in the 2021 federal election. And of course, the headline reads, Intelligence Committee should investigate potential threats to our democracy. And I don't know who would disagree. The assertion, if people lose faith in the fairness of our elections, they'll lose faith in the legitimacy of our government. Absolutely. And I absolutely agree. That's the point that we're making here. He writes, as a political operative, I've seen my fair share of controversies and scandals in the world of politics, but recent revelations coming out of CSIS, Canada's spy agency, about election interference are particularly alarming. He cites recent polls that demonstrate that two-thirds of Canadians now believe the last election saw Chinese government interference. He says the fact that a significant number of Canadians believe a foreign power influenced the outcome of our election is troubling. It undermines the fairness or the foundation, rather, of our democratic system, which relies on integrity of our electoral process. Now, here's the key. He writes, as the national campaign manager for the Conservative Party of Canada during the 2021 election, it's important to clarify one critical issue. Writes Fred Delory, national campaign manager for the Conservatives, quote, I can confirm without a shadow of a doubt that the outcome of the election, which resulted in the Liberals forming government, was not influenced by any external meddling. Period. That's important to have on the radar because I get concerned personally over what this type of torqued up, ramped up, turbocharged type allegation will have with the average person. And I look at the combustible nature of where our political landscape has been over the past couple of years the Ottawa occupation, the border blockade at Coots, some of the standoffs that we've seen at demonstrations on the West Coast all the way through, the talk around pipeline construction or interrupting pipeline construction, the Alberta election looming. People are expecting it to be a nasty one, a bloodbath. You might accuse us of manifesting that by talking in those terms, but all I'm doing is looking around and seeing the evidence around us. I think it's important to focus on the facts here and Canadians do deserve answers and we're going to keep covering that China story. But I also think it's important to recognize that the national campaign manager for the conservatives during the last federal election says without a shadow of a doubt that the outcome of the election was not influenced by any external meddling. You can let us know what you think on this to talk at ryanjesperson.com. That's exactly what Steve did yesterday after we spoke with Caitlin Erickson. Uh, she's one of the close to 50 alumni, former students at Legacy Christian Academy that have come forward and joined a class action, a $25 million lawsuit alleging various abuse over the years. Now, there's a couple of storylines running parallel here. One of the stories is the dramatic reality of several dozen former students coming forward with these allegations. One of the staff at that school, he was not a teacher, he was the athletic director, he's a former coach there, a guy by the name of Aaron Benoist, had his first day in court this week on Monday to face charges of sexual interference and sexual assault. 
He's now 46. The allegation is that he had an inappropriate sexual relationship with a minor who was attending that school. Now, that is not Caitlin Erickson, but Caitlin was in the courtroom hoping to see Mr. Benoist there and supporting the accuser. And she told us about the culture in that school. She said that this inappropriate sexual relationship or bigger picture, the reality around that school in this context was well known by a whole bunch of people for a long time. This was Caitlin Erickson on Real Talk just yesterday. The stories of just even the grooming that continued and not, you know, with this particular person, there was other students that noticed this behavior. There was even male students that picked up on this behavior, but it was so ingrained in us not to have any like autonomy of our body even that the teachers did not pick up on this till you know, it came to their actual, you know, knowing what happened because Jen, you know, the victim came forward. You can check out that full interview. If you just go to our our YouTube channel, Real Talk Ryan Jesperson, you're looking for the episode Private School Scandal. Uh, That was the episode from March 14th. And of course, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts as well. It prompted Steve to reach out from Saskatchewan. He said, I want to thank... He calls us the good people at Real Talk. We appreciate that, Steve. He says, I want to thank your team for amplifying this story about Legacy Christian Academy and the private school issues that we're dealing with in Saskatchewan. He says it's a deep flaw in our education system. And as Caitlin mentioned on your podcast, education restructuring is sorely needed right now in Saskatchewan. Steve says many of the Christian-based private schools use what's called ACE, which is the Accelerated Christian Education Curriculum. In his uh, email, he writes it in quotes, taught. He says taught in quotes by people who are not accredited teachers. Caitlin talked about that yesterday. He says ACE science curriculum, for example, teaches that planet Earth is 6,000 years old, that dinosaurs and humans lived during the same period of time. You know, there's another long list of myths that are currently being taught as fact. He says, as a science educator myself, it makes my blood boil. And when you delve into the rest of the curriculum and examine the family values that are insisted upon therein, you get a depiction of a gender-based hierarchy that would be barely acceptable in the 1940s. The misogyny is astonishing. He says, our minister of education, Dustin Duncan, recently reviewed this ACE curriculum and reapproved its use, citing the educational freedom of parents to choose the education they want for their kids. And as Caitlin mentioned, Minister Duncan's own kids attend one of these schools in Regina. There is a huge conflict of interest in this case. Steve says, now, I want to be clear. I don't disagree with parents choosing a religious education for their kids. That's what church is for. He says, the town I live in has seven churches and one public school. The opportunity for religious education is everywhere. He says, what really bums my shit is that these independent schools are taxpayer funded. Our provincial government raised the proportion of public funding from 50 to 75%. They're run by affiliated churches. Not all of them are Christian. Some with non-accredited teachers. There is blatant anti-LGBTQ ideology. There are many allegations of conversion therapy, even exorcisms, plus a history of repeated physical and sexual abuse at institutions, including but not limited to 
legacy Christian. There are 64 publicly funded independent schools in Saskatchewan, says Steve. 64 of them. And it's so sad that Caitlin had to go outside of our province to Alberta-based Real Talk to draw attention to this problem. He says, unfortunately, the oxygen for this story has been removed in part due to Saskatchewan's talk radio dominated by one Saskatchewan party promoting mouthpiece who recently went on personal vacation with our premier, Scott Moe. He's talking about John Gormley. He says, I shit you not. You're probably familiar with his carefully curated radio talk show. Conflicts of interest run deep in Saskatchewan politics. Steve says, this is why I'm especially grateful to you and the Real Talk team for helping Caitlin get this important story, the attention that it deserves. Steve, we appreciate your email and we appreciate your thoughts as a science educator. I would imagine why some things might drive you nuts, like the young earth theory being taught in schools. It takes some students years to undo the damage of being indoctrinated with unscientific science lessons. And don't get me started on John Gormley. John Gormley is a lawyer, a former MP, and he owns talk radio in Saskatchewan. And it's true. I saw the photos of him at the airport with Scott Moe. I didn't see any photos of them sipping daiquiris together, Johnny, so I can't say where they went on vacation together. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being friends with politicians or vacationing with politicians. And to be honest, I believe that if you're a talk radio host and you pretty much pull back the curtain and let people know where you stand on things and wager your audience on that and Gormley's built a big audience, then it is what it is. But if you're intentionally stifling or killing stories that impact people in the communities where you broadcast, if you are denying those stories the sunlight they deserve, aren't you doing your audience a disservice? Don't you lack a certain integrity that kind of comes with the job? But then again, politics have always been part of talk radio. I think we all know that. I think we can think of examples where that proves itself to be true. So Steve may not have an appetite for the brand of talk radio that John Gormley puts out there, but I'll tell you one thing. We're keeping an eye on stories that matter to Canadians across Alberta, across the Prairie provinces, and of course, across the country. And if you have a take on that, regardless of where you're listening to Real Talk from, regardless of where you download our podcast or stream our YouTube episodes, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to be talking about ESG, how much Canadians actually care about the environment, how how much Canadians are actually willing to compromise our own convenience to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Some really interesting polling uh, conducted by Angus Reid for a company called Onion. Lori Clark is the founder and CEO of Onion. She's going to join us in a couple of minutes. She's uh, twice been named to Canada's 100 most powerful women list, and she's a real force. Uh, uh, This is going to be our first time talking on the show, and I'm really looking forward to it. To it. Before we do that, every Wednesday, we have an opportunity to, to go outside, whether we're actually going to get that light dusting of snow on our boots or, or whether we're actually going to start feeling the early signs of spring is a, a different matter. For us, sometimes it's a mental exercise to head out to the mountains every hump day, courtesy of our friends at Tourism Jasper. It's my Jasper memories. And we wanted to put something on your radar because coming up on March 24th, the Jasper Sky Tram is opening for the season. John, have you ever been up on the Sky Tram? 
I have. It's beautiful. So cool. Hmm. The view up there is amazing. One of the great activities you can do, I want to tell you about this in just a second, is hiking up and then taking the tram down, which is really cool. Hiking to the Alpine, of course, can take a lot of effort. But the Jasper Sky Tram makes it a whole lot easier to gain a jaw-dropping bird's-eye view of Jasper National Park from above the tree line. But there's way more to do up there than simply stand in awe. So here's a taste of what's on offer. You can learn. It's a seven-minute flight up the mountain. The, the climb is just remarkable. It's so cool. The SkyTram flight attendant explains different aspects of the tramway, the multiple surrounding mountain ranges. This is this. This is that. You soar to an altitude of just under 2,300 meters, and then you can step off and wander the interpretive boardwalks. They've done a beautiful job up there. Once you're at the upper station, the hiking trails lead all the way to the summit of Whistler's Mountain, located about a kilometer and a half from the tram. So it's, an, it's a nice late morning walk, nice early afternoon walk. You can pick up a map. You can stay on the designated paths to find countless stunning photo ops like this one we're showing you on YouTube. And since the alpine snowpack is melting slower than in the valleys, this is a great time of year when it opens on March 24th. Uh, you can, springtime visitors, you can explore the summit using Canada's classic winter transportation tool, snowshoes. You can come prepped with winter gear from head to toe. Uh, equipment's available at the Upper Station Retail Store. It's a very cool way to spend a couple of hours and then unwind in the Window Line Summit Restaurant. They do such a beautiful job up there. Meals and drinks served with a side of panoramic views. And if you're lucky, while you're up there, Whistler's Mountain was named uh, for the Hoary Marmot's Whistling Alert Call. If you've ever heard it, you know it's the coolest little, these really neat little animals. Um, you can watch for these furry tubsters as well as the white-tailed ptarmigan. Uh, there's ground squirrels up there, pikas, even a mountain goat, if you get lucky. This, the Jasper Skytram, by the way, is dog-friendly, which is really neat. So you can keep your pup on a leash up there, obviously, but at the same time, you don't have to exclude any family member when you head up the Jasper Skytram. It opens March 24th, and you can learn more details by checking out jasper.travel. Well, we've spent a lot of time, haven't we, over these past few episodes talking about the environment. You know, we've been talking about what Canadians care about. We're talking about that intersection of environment and the economy or the environment and industry. We can't help but ignore it. I mean, these types of things are, are demanding our attention right now. And of course, a lot of it is becoming politicized. And as Albertans head to the polls in May and as there's more talk about confidence or, or maybe non-confidence in the federal government, people are going to start asking why. And they're going to be looking at factors that are influencing their personal convictions and, for that matter, their political leanings. Lori Clark is founder and CEO of Onion, uh, a Bay Street veteran, as mentioned, uh, twice listed as one of Canada's 100 most powerful women. Uh, during the pandemic, Lori and her team turned their attention to ESG disclosure. We're talking about environmental, social and governance for small and mid-sized resource companies. And they've just partnered with Angus Reid to do some really interesting polling. Uh, we're going to get into it now with the CEO of Onion, Lori Clark. Hey, welcome to Real Talk and thanks for making time for us. Good morning, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this this whole ESG thing, it's it's uh, becoming more and more relevant. It was something that, I don't know whether maybe it wasn't exactly called that, but 10 years ago, was this even on people's radar? Absolutely, it was. And it wasn't called ESG. It's called good corporate citizenship. Mm. It's called running your business well. 
it's just got this nomenclature now and everyone has different opinions about ESG, but ESG is fundamentally running your company well so that you can get funding, period. How much does the average Canadian, uh, we're, we're talking outside of the C-suites, I'm not talking about the executive boards, I'm not talking about the CEOs, how much does the average Canadian care about or know about ESG? Well, if you look at the figures that we conducted on the on the uh, survey, it was really interesting, actually, some of the numbers that came back. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm going to make the numbers uh, relevant to Alberta. That'd be okay, great. I'm going, to bring the, I'm going to bring the numbers relevant to Alberta. And of all the, um, of all the respondents, uh, you know, it was interesting that the numbers kind of come back and say, wow, you know, 81% of Albertans re- agree that sustainable living is, for example, much wealth, you know, it's much easier for wealthy people or <laughs> 78% come back with, uh, I want to be able to extend the life of my cell phone for an extra year or two if it's better and it benefits the environment. But actually, when you start looking at the numbers in much greater depth and in detail, you start to realize that of those respondents, perhaps only 31% agree strongly with this statement. So it's actually, it's quite telling when you when you do a survey it's quite telling that the, what the numbers will come back. Yeah, and it's always easy to answer something on a survey, but whether or not you're willing to act on it or influence your own personal convenience or comfort is an entirely different matter. Um, I want to take some items in the news, some national stories, and then weave them into some of the stats or some of the learnings that you and your team uh, achieved through this polling. So we're, we're talking about this Curl Oil Sands leak as an example. The Athabasca Chip One First Nation Chief Alan Adam talking to us on this show and yesterday saying... What we said was true. We told you this leak has been happening for ages, for up to nine months. It's not been properly reported. There's no integrity with Alberta's energy regulator. And now uh, journalists are, are starting to point out the obvious, that this oil sands leak, and and you may not use the word cover-up, that's what Chief Adams calling it, is exposing gaps in how Alberta and Canada oversees industry. This is exactly the type of stuff that you were talking about. Exactly. And, you know, we're looking at everybody says that they want to have industry. Everyone wants to have great uh, companies. And let's face it, in Alberta, it is our um, leader in oil and gas exploration. It is our leader in uh, the mining and metals and in, you know, extractives. So, of course, we want them to do well. Of course, we want people to have wonderful jobs and have a source of income that elevates them to a, a better place in life. However, with that also comes the responsibility of conducting your business in a, in a proper fashion. For example, in the past, in, the, in just this recent past, we've been, you know, the... Uh, um, the, it was the anniversary of the Lac Megantic yeah. uh, disaster. And it was also what happened in Ohio. So everyone says that they want industry in their backyard. But then there's the ramifications that can come along with it. And with that comes the responsibility for all industries to actually act in, in, you know, in a, a governance-driven way, in a way that allows you to conduct yourself correctly. So that you do make money, but you don't have to do it with such adverse results. I wanted to, 
Go ahead. Oh, Go sorry, ahead. Lori. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I wanted to. I, I want to be careful. Well, maybe not careful. At least let me say what I'm going to do, and then Absolutely. you can respond to it. Because I'm going to take yeah. some stories out of the U.S. as well, and there are some okay. inter- international stories that'll have relevance too. And if you don't think it's relevant, you just let me know. But I, absolutely, I, I, Ryan. This is an interesting story. Yahoo Finance was reporting this. Uh, they're calling it business backlash, which is pushing Republicans in the U.S. to weaken what they're calling anti-ESG proposals. So basically, a lot of the the more conservative Conservative Republicans, um, basically, that are wanting to kill socially and environmentally conscious investing, um, you know, and this is being torqued politically for sure. They're now being pushed to water down their proposals after backlash from a lot of powerful business groups in the states, international groups as well, that are saying that, you know, state pension systems could see big losses. They're essentially saying it's not worth it and it's a dangerous play. Can I ask you to comment on the politics of all of this, including kind of the what do you call it, a right wing attack? Ryan? just let's forget about all the noise because that's what it is. It's noise. It's always, it's always going to be there. There's noise around a lot of uh, topics, but it is a lot of noise because if I am a bank and I'm going to invest perhaps $20 million into your business or $30 million into your business, I want to know that you're going to conduct yourself accordingly and not lose my money. That means that I am going to look for real responses, real reports that tell me the indicators that measure indicators that tell me how you conduct your business because I want to de-risk my investment. What this is all about is risk management and conducting your business in a proper fashion so that my investment in your company is safe and guarded and governed well. Can we talk about that lack mega antique disaster? I want to circle back to that. It, it it's uh, it looks. I mean, we're showing some some video of, of when it actually happened. It, 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 I mean, it quite. I, I I almost hesitate to make light. It looks like all hell broke. I mean, it looks like hell on earth. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a horrific, horrific disaster, and people's memories are kind of short. In the yes, sense that, like, you talk about the, this polling that shows that, you know, 76%, like, let's call it three quarters of Canadians polled here, uh, express concern about environmental risks of transporting hazardous materials. I don't have to tell you, this is oftentimes used to, to, to essentially endorse pipeline construction. People are saying, well, trains aren't any safer. And then you get stories around pipeline leaks, and then people will talk about that, and, 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 it, and it drives a, a conversation that I do think is an important and productive one. So right. 76% of us acknowledge there are environmental risks of transporting hazardous materials. I don't, by the way, know what the other 24% are thinking, but I digress. But when it all comes down to it, though, fewer than one in four, as a matter of fact, closer to one in five feel strongly about this. Do we forget what happens it, when disaster strikes? And in Alberta, it's only 67, well, 67%. This is the lowest of all the provinces. 67% agreed that, um, you know, that they were concerned about the environmental risks of transporting hazardous materials. And only 22% of that, okay, 22% of that felt strongly about it. Yeah. You know, when you're with, I mean, this was the 10th year anniversary of the deadly Lake Megantic rail disaster and, and the Ohio train derailment, you know, underscored it. Horrible. Um, You know, it is an opportunity to discuss 
the supply chain safety, um, which is critical for companies because it is part of the entire eco hub or or process of a, how a company exists. Um, many people want manufacturing jobs in their communities, but they don't want to inherit the risks of transporting those goods. So, you know, this type of, of reporting is, is really important to establish, you know, what is happening down the line? What is it that is going to cause, you know, risks and, and what is going to highlight some opportunities as well? And you can only have that with real reporting. I mean, in our, in our system, what we've done with the supply chain is being able to have them actually enter their information because it's really hard to gather that kind of information for a company. So they come in and they actually enter their own information so that it rolls up to the company that is hiring them as a vendor. Yeah, I mean, it's easier for them so you can identify what the risks and opportunities are. I hate comparing disasters because, you know, you end up, you know, sounding like you don't care as much about one that was still very significant. So I wouldn't say that the, you know, the Wobbaman Lake train derailment compares to the Lacmeg Antique simply because the human death, there was no human death toll in, in Wobbaman, but the environmental toll that was taken was huge. If you want to really... I mean, uh, the, the video images of ducks being, you know, having the, the crude oil washed off them with with uh, with dove dish soap are are powerful images. But if you really want to get a sense of how pissed off people were, you talk about their property values, the big fancy cabins out there on Wabam. And maybe people are forgetting about that. But when it all comes down to it, you got to ask, why do people care about what they care about? And if we talk about this story around a sustained or potentially even covered up oil sands leak, a tailings pond leak, as an example, in the context of ESG, in the context of stock prices. I mean, how bad of a black eye is this for Imperial Oil? Or in the grand scheme, Lori, if we're being honest, even though it sounds harsh to say, it sounds very harsh to say, you know, the people of Athabasca Chippewa and First Nation wouldn't like me to say this, but the average person, like, does this even resonate? Does this even impact their decision of whether or not they'll go to an ESO gas station or maybe take their business somewhere else? Well, the reality is that there are, it does, it actually does. There are, and and the numbers do bear out that in some cases, um, you know, there are a lot of, you know, our respondents, it was interesting, the age breakdown, because the older folk um, you know, do understand that this is important. However, they are, it, it, they, they think of it differently. Whereas the younger, um, you know, younger, uh, demographic that's coming along, they really think about this stuff daily. They really are actioning their thoughts. And that's when it comes to fruition. And so if I'm going to invest in a company and I do, and I want, I'm going to look at the bottom line. I'm going to look at how they conduct themselves. I'm going to look at all of the factors that are going to ensure that I myself as an investor is actually going to get the return on my investment without damaging my investment. Thank you very much. And also I want to, and, and, you know, for example, water, water is a huge issue right now globally. And many think of it as an infinite resource, but it's not. You know, and it's it's a major driver right now of many of the what we we are, you know, the nomenclature of ESG, okay, and, and what it's driving. So what we've done, and this is this is pretty cool actually. What we've done is we're working on giving our our customers the ability to see the water impacts 
10, 15, 20 years down the road with AI technology that actually simulates climate change impact on any land site. It's amazing. And what we've been able to establish by doing that is to actually show visibly and visually how that happens and how what the impact is going to be for them financially, ultimately financially. And that's what all of this comes down to. Okay, It comes down to the financial impact to a company. And I'm sure that Imperial Oil is feeling the financial impact. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Uh, and, and I'm not, I mean, you know, I just look at record profits. I look at what oil and gas is doing right now. I, I don't decry it. It's an essential industry. It employs obviously millions or hundreds of thousands of Canadians generating trillions of dollars in economic activity. We all know that. Uh, but a story like this, when it all comes down to how it impacts people at a personal level as well, I, I appreciate the insights here. You you assert, or not you assert, I mean, the, the, the numbers show, the polling shows uh, that sustainability is much easier for the wealthy. And before we wrap, I wanted to ask you about this. Now, the cynic in me wants to say, well, everything is easier for the wealthy. But what does it mean in this context? Yeah, well, and I agree with you. Everything is easier for the wealthy. Well, not always. Not always. But- the, the onus of look the onus of sustainability it was it's often placed on the consumers and but that's changed and so as companies seek greater access to capital again we come back to that uh, and it's 175 trillion dollars in financial assets okay that are targeting next zero they, they are these are huge financial companies that are saying I will not provide you with any more funding if you do not, you know, consider your ESG strategies and report so that we can see, you know, what you're doing, what you are, you know, so we can ensure your ongoing viability. And they've really taken a hard line on this. This is uh, really interesting stuff. And I'm grateful the timing of this is, is, is excellent, which, Obviously, you know, uh, you're like, that's why I'm uh, multiple times on the list of the 100 most powerful women, because you know what the hell you're doing. But I really appreciate your availability to get into it, because I think sometimes while we know that people's decisions or loyalties or political leanings are defined by what impacts them and ultimately what impacts their bottom lines, sometimes it's really interesting to be able to get into the numbers. People can learn more about this and actually see the report for themselves uh, on Onion's website. That's onyen.com. We're talking to the company's founder and CEO, uh, Lori Clark, who's joining us live. Thanks for doing this, Lori. It's nice to connect with you. It was a pleasure, Ryan. All the best. Have a lovely rest of your day. Yeah, to you as well. That's uh, Lori Clark with Onion. I appreciate a comment on our live chat right now. Justin says, this is exactly what I was describing in, in your comments a while back, Jesperson, and you challenged me to send more information, which I did. He says, ESG practices impact consumer decisions more and more. Uh, and, and Justin's right. He sent me an email on November 21st. Uh, talking about this, uh, this was uh, November 18th was the first one. He said you were challenged, asking me to send information on comments regarding companies and corporations engaging in what you know CSR, corporate social responsibility. This is a perfect time to talk about this, isn't it? With everything going on, 
Justin wrote to us and uh, talked to us about how he had uh, recently finished his Bachelor of Technology degree at Nate. Congratulations, buddy. And says a large part of these studies was placing increased importance on CSR, on corporate social responsibility, making a point indicating that consumers are smarter than marketers traditionally give them credit for. And uh, he, he used uh, Patagonia as an example. You know, the lifestyle brand, the outfitting brand. Uh, if you go to Patagonia.com, you can watch a video uh, that uh, talks a little bit more about that company's social responsibility. When you're buying something, Johnny, like whether it's uh, I know that there are c- certain shoe brands mm-hmm. um, and uh, I know Simple is one of the brands. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of Tom's is another one of the brands that have, that have done a lot. Ten Tree is a clothing brand. Yeah. They plant 10 trees for every sale they make or whatever it is, a certain $10 they raise or something like that. Is that the type of thing that impacts you as a consumer? It does. And, you know, my partner does a lot more of, of kind of opening my eyes to that but yeah. if, if you're going to buy shoes if you're going to buy even phones nowadays there's some phones and I know we're all like you've either got an iPhone or an Android but there's some phones now that are built almost all from recycled materials so I think we should watch out for that more I think we need it it more it needs to be more readily available most people just go for you know the nice Nikes yeah. no matter what they're made out of but even me like I have a pair of Nikes but they're made out of like uh, you know, they're made out of like vegan products and, and recycled products. And I try to look for that all the time, but it's not it, there's not enough of it. You know what I mean? Sometimes and it is hard if you're going to really commit to it. Sometimes you just know you're buying something that is not going to be that great and that sustainable for the future. You know, you're going to use it for a yeah. few months or a year and it's going to go into a landfill. But you think of I mean, and, and fashion is such a, a huge industry for mm-hmm. ESG and for people, you know, buying with conviction or, you know, I mean, I think of of, of stories. I'm just sort of, you know, off the top of my head. The, remember that big building collapse in Bangladesh? It was yeah. a, a clothing manufacturing warehouse. And people, I mean, obviously many, many people were killed or, or horrifically injured. Um, you know, the, the troubles that, and these were PR troubles, but like that Kathy Lee Gifford got into with of her course, clothing yeah. brand. And, and people talk about child labor and. And and Nike has been implicated in that, and I mean many 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 brands have. And yeah. um, as these stories surface, they outrage or they in- inspire or incite some sort of reaction from the public. But how much do we actually? I mean, if I were to look through my closet right now, if someone were to run an audit yeah. through my closet, I'd, I'd probably uh, with with you know disclosure. Um, and more information realized that maybe I had inadvertently been supporting some practices that I would have a hard time supporting. Of course. And we all want nice things. That's the thing. But yeah, we we also try when we're out like to buy Canadian made or at least North American made products. But now so much is outsourced. I mean, the majority of what you're buying when yeah. you go for fashion, especially or even, you know, pe- times are tough. People go, you know, if, if they see something. Uh, they would rather buy it, you know, I'm, I'm just going to shoot out names here, but Bed Bath & Beyond, then they go to Walmart and get yep. a similar product. Yep. You know that product's probably made in China, right? Or or somewhere else where, you know, the labor is, the market there is not that safe and it's not that great for the people who are making it. So it's very hard nowadays, but I would love to push more awareness. I would love to have more products that are sustainable and, and made here yeah. in Canada or at least North America. But I love this uh, comment from Tara Lynn in our live chat. And when you and I, we have our production meeting this morning. We're kind of mapping out the show and mm-hmm. we're going we're to open with the breaking news. 
uh, with the release from Athabasca Chip One First Nation, the response from the federal government. And then we want to talk about the Poliev stuff. The China story is still significant. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're talking about what's happening with these private schools and the oversight and the accountability with regards to not just curriculum, but obviously uh, operations, yeah. uh, inappropriate relationships with staff and students, et cetera, et cetera. The big story out of Saskatchewan, but not limited to Saskatchewan. And it's three shows right there that right? you could go back and watch and get more in depth on. And Tara Lynn says, and we will, uh, Tara Lynn says, I feel like the, the message, the overarching theme of today's entire show is standards and accountability. Mm-hmm. Tara Lynn, you just threw a bullseye. She says, whether it's education, politics, business, environmental responsibility, throw in healthcare, insurance, reporting. We're working on an insurance roundtable for you. Real Talkers, it'll be presented by Urban Timber, and it's going to be a good one. Um, we're waiting until some of these roundtables they're on they're not on the back burner but we wait until we can get the guests we really want you know what I mean because I want to have those three different perspectives represented but we're working on that I want to get back to Justin's email real quick and hey here's an exa- here's a lesson for all of us Justin a uh, great friend of the show wrote this in in November here we are talking about it today these are ongoing conversations that we have not everything like Johnny just said is going to be tied up nicely with a bow at the end of 75 minutes and problem solved right Justin wrote this to us in November. Here we are talking about it today. He says these CSR initiatives, this corporate social responsibility kind of fall into four areas, environmental, ethical, philanthropic, and economic. And he says there's a lot that people can read about this, but companies that practice good CSR as a core tenet of their business can and do see significant benefits in terms of the bottom line, brand loyalty included. He says, so it's 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 a bit disingenuous to dismiss criticism of organizations like FIFA by hand-waving away issues and saying if you dig deep enough into X, Y, or Z, you'll find exploitation. He says this may be colloquially true in most cases, but not all. He says, and my, my main point is that stats, statistics don't necessarily bear that out at the end of the day. The data shows that companies with strong corporate social responsibility frameworks and companies that communicate that well, that make it known, consumers will support that company over others, even at an increased cost. It's not the same thing, but even restaurants, it's, it's not the same thing necessarily, but no. restaurants that'll say, we buy as local as we can. Mm-hmm. Here's where the lentils came from. Here's where the butter came from. Here's where the pork came from. You know, yeah. this is the name of the farmer. This is, you know, where they came from. Restaurants that'll say, we're paying our staff a living wage. Restaurants that will say our staff are getting benefits. You know, a lot of times the prices will reflect that. Yeah. And the question is, can those restaurants survive? Do enough people value that as well? I th- I think people do. People value local. But there's a good comment right here from Tracy who says corporate social responsibility. Great, as long as it can be done affordably, because there is a line that people will stop at. Right. And she says, I prefer to support local, but will not pay three times the price. And I think that's for a lot of people. They're looking at their budget and stuff and they want to support local and they want to see people in their community successful and they want to bolster all that in Alberta and the province and the city of Edmonton. But at the same time, you've got a budget. So, I mean, if you've only got a hundred bucks left in the bank, are you going to go here for your food or here for your food that month? You know, obviously you're going to do what's right for your family, but, uh, totally fair questions. mm -hmm. And this is just the way it is for people. Uh, we've got a big announcement to make, uh, coming up in, in less than two minutes before we do. I wanted to let you know that, uh, if, if you are in a situation, you know, this is like an absolute nightmare. You've experienced fire damage to your home. Maybe it's flood damage. Maybe you've found out. You get super excited. Uh, you're going to start a renovation project. You open up the first wall and you find uh, black mold. Or you discover that there's asbestos 
uh, your first call needs to be to complete care restoration. We recommend them wholeheartedly. Uh, we worked with them on the renovation of our studio space. They did an amazing job, and they've given us the confidence to recommend them with confidence. We're talking about companies with integrity, companies driven by ethics, uh, companies who invest back into their communities. Complete Care Restoration ticks all those boxes. Securing your home and its contents is their first priority, and nobody does it better than them. If disaster strikes, remember the name Complete Care Restoration. I wanted to give a big shout out to our friends at Local Environmental Services yesterday. How cool was it to, to have Case Infuser in studio, this seven-year-old, now he's eight, surviving a cougar attack over the summer. He and his mom, Shay, in here telling us the story. If you missed yesterday's show, you have to hear it. What would you do if your kid was attacked by a cougar? Can you imagine? Anyway, Kaysen was named the mayor of the mall at West Edmonton Mall a couple of days ago and had just a dream day there. All of it made possible by the team at Local Environmental Services. We're so proud to partner with them. And the way that they give back to communities, they say it right on their website. They believe that communities deserve better. And they proved it with the mayor of the mall, Kaysen Fuser, who joined us here on Real Talk. That was presented by Local Environmental Services. They'll present Trash Talk here on the show tomorrow. If you want to blow off a little steam, there's something you're ticked off about, send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. If this spring for you is going to be a reinvention of your outdoor space, we recommend you go with Eden Landscaping. They bring outdoor spaces to life. You want proof? Just go to their website, landscapeedmonton.ca. You can check out their portfolio there and and see some of the projects that they've worked on. One of the things that you'll notice right away on the website, they're all different because they're custom. That's right. Mike and his team work with the homeowner to determine the exact best use of that space, how to get the most out of your investment, and how to get the most out of that dream area that you're creating, whether it's entertaining, whether it's solitude that you're chasing. Maybe you're looking to introduce one of those outdoor kitchens that are all the rage right now. Mike and his team would love to hear from you. They go through Pinterest boards. That's what Mike and Carrie are doing right now to get our year. They're going through each other's Pinterest boards. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, this is great, but... Don't your couches get rained on out there? Like, they look like full living room kitchens outside. It's so beautiful. And, of course, they're all custom done for the outdoors. You can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Personally, I had a lot of fun with the – and the reason why I mentioned this uh, at the Oilers game last night with the ownership group from the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton. These guys are an absolute riot, and we had them here in studio. And Johnny, I was I was saying to them, we're going to need to get our freezer restocked because we've crushed all the dilly it's bars. Already, I looked they, in there. They said, "Well, just go through the drive-through. You know where to find them: <laughs> the Dairy Queens and Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, Baseline Road." I thought about having the empty boxes here, so they knew mm. that you know we 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 had them in past. It's past tense here. Yeah. Well, anyway, they were reminding me about the two for six dollars super snack promo that they've got going on right now. This is perfect if you don't want to blow the bank. But you got a hunger you got to address. Maybe you're out with the kids. Uh, choose any two items for just $6 off the super snack menu, including that flamethrower chicken wrap, the ranch chicken wrap, the classic DQ cheeseburger, crispy fries, medium drink, small sundae, or a medium misty slush. Yeah, that's right. The twisty misty slush. Mm. You can pair two of them up for just 6 bucks at the Daring Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Yeah, I didn't even know those dilly bars were in there. Mm. And then you're like, yeah, they're, they're, the plant-based ones are in there. And then they di- were gone in like 
two days. I was keeping it low. It was keeping it low profile. Hey, uh, <laughs> this is again. We're talking about self preservation. I was yeah. preserving my ability to crush dilly bars on demand when yeah. I need them. So, uh, before we get to our announcement here, and this is going to be uh, all of you, I think are going to get excited if you happen to enjoy golf. This is a big announcement, and I'm and I get excited. We only get to debut this announcement once a year, and so today's a big day. Mm-hmm. But I did want to remind you, if you've not yet subscribed to Alberta Views Magazine, we had such a great conversation uh, with uh, Dr. Rebecca Graf McRae on Friday's show. Uh, her reporting around the UC plan for healthcare a really really interesting half hour uh if you're curious to know what the future of healthcare looks like from somebody she's the research manager at the parkland institute really knows what she's talking about uh we get into the pages of her feature in alberta views and you can check that out uh, in our podcast archive that's friday's episode or of course on youtube as well uh alberta views is given a great opportunity to real talkers uh for a one-year subscription that's 10 episodes uh 10 issues rather a one-year subscription to the magazine for engaged citizens alberta views if you go through the subscribe link at albertaviews.ca and use the promo code avrj they're going to knock 50 percent off a one-year subscription. Wow. That's 20 bucks. It's a great deal. 20 bucks yeah. for 10 issues of Alberta Views delivered to your door. Uh, you can subscribe today at albertaviews.ca. Again, the promo code is AVRJ. So here it is, John. You and I have both circled Thursday, June 22nd ah. on our calendar. Yeah. It's going to be a 215 shotgun start out at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. RTGC. That's right. It is the Real Talk Golf Classic, the second annual in support of the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship, uh, a wonderful and dear friend of this show. This is the second year that we're going to be doing this, raising money for the scholarship that provides a $5,000 support, an annual support for a post-secondary student that's lost a parent to cancer. So how do you connect? How do you register your foursome for the golf tournament? Sign up to volunteer or even sponsor, I want you to go to the events link at ryanjesperson.com. We're going to tweet this out. This will be on our Instagram today and go to the RT, the Real Talk Golf Classic. So it's the events link at ryanjesperson.com. Click on the Golf Classic and there you have it. The link, uh, the Real Talk Golf Classic presented by CWB Wealth is now officially mm-hmm. open for registration. We know it's going to sell out. There's going to be 144 golfers out there, and we're hoping to raise a ton of dough for the scholarship. Do not miss it. We still do have some sponsorship opportunities. We're so grateful for the presenting sponsorship from CWB Wealth, uh, but you can register today by following that link, and we would love to see you out by Thursday, June 22nd for that 215 shotgun start. Beautiful. Beers, food, and this is kind of a redo for us, because not that last year was, wasn't that great, but you can't control the weather and we got rained out but it did turn into like quite an exciting little event (laughs) under the main tent where i was djing uh all the carts were lined up people were like what's going on over there and we had we had a bit of a dance party under there just to uh wait out the rain which kind of drizzled off but yeah so we're gonna get, we're gonna give a hundred and ten percent at this one we uh we it was it was a monsoon it was the wildest day of rain all year all year because there are people people say well I, you know there's gonna be someone right now that's listening to this going uh i don't get rained off the golf course i play through the rain me too buddy but not this one like this was the fairways were flooding <laughs> yeah, like this was they were they were like blowing the siren like it's yeah. time to come in you clowns yeah. because we had yeah the northern chicken team so if you know the ranch so we're 
we're going to be back on the fourth tee box again. You mm-hmm. and me, yeah. we love that fourth tee box. It's a nice, gradual dog leg lift. I can you get a just, view of everything. I can just get my three wood just over the bunkers on the left. <laughs> it's a nice shot, sets you up for a pitching wedge uh, in for a birdie putt. Yeah. And so uh, we love that hole. But we were there. Northern Chicken was on the seventh tee box and the mm-hmm. way the ranch works those tee boxes are side by side so we had like the chicken cart going with fried chicken the soho pizza team came in they're bringing yeah. pizzas we had the cigars going it was a amazing day i'm pretty sure we could have lived out there but uh then there was yeah. like concerns about lightning and stuff so we had to eventually kind of <laughs> shut it down yeah they, they, were, they were concerned about this lightning so yeah yeah so the real talk golf classic presented by cwb well thursday june 22nd 215 shotgun start we're going to get it going uh with a brunch reception around noon so make a day of it and then of course take friday off my friends it's the new long weekend and this is the day after summer solstice right so this is (laughs) going to be the the second longest day of the year in more ways than one you won't want to miss it ryanjesperson.com click on events coming up on tomorrow's show we're going to follow up on that uh election interference story we're really working to get a couple definitive voices on that and then friday i wanted to let you know about our real talk roundtable presented by urban timber you remember wyatt sharp the 14 year old and then you, you remember Mo Amir in Vancouver? Well, they've got this kind of bromance thing happening on Twitter, and they cooked up an idea to appear together on Real Talk, and we said, well, why the hell wouldn't we do that? And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. That's all coming up before the end of the week. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.